Hey, good morning, church. You can do better than that. Good morning, church. You will notice a little bitty guy who has no hair like me who is not here today. That's our pastor. He is speaking today. And I'm so impressed that Jamie came to sing anyway. Isn't that awesome? She came to sing. Her husband's preaching. I'm not sure what that says. She enjoys singing or she's tired of hearing Craig speak. I don't know. I love, I love Pastor Craig. I love Cy and I love Preston and I am here and excited. Thank you for the warm welcome that we have received. My wife is at home packing this very moment. I just talked to her and she said, you need to be here packing. I said, you know where I'm supposed to be today. She said, I know, I'm just teasing. So, hey, we uh, pack out tomorrow, loading up, and we're moving here Tuesday. Yeah. We're excited about that. We're really super excited about that. And thank you for making us feel so, so warm again. And thank you for the opportunity to be here. And I'm looking forward to working with your students and leading them. And I'm looking forward to small groups. That's what God put me on earth to do. And I, 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 that's what I do is Christian education. And I'm excited about that. And so I'll be sharing more details about small groups. And we'll be signing up very, very soon. So be looking for information about that big time. Invest and invite. We are going to take just a pause, a moment break here this week into Luke. Our pastor will be back at a scheduled time next week. He'll be right back here. And uh, he's so excited about what's going on here at, at Nicholasville. And he wanted to be here, but he is speaking away. So be praying for him as well. Invest and invite. I asked Sai to help me find this toy because I knew she would. She's, she's the guru of everything, right? She does everything. This is the coolest jack-in-the-box I have ever seen in my life. This is a Wildcat jack-in-the-box. How many of you ever played with a jack-in-the-box when you were a kid, right, everybody? So you know how it goes, right? Now, I thought it should play the Wildcat fight song, but it doesn't. It just plays the normal. Can you hear it? That's the coolest jack-in-the-box. Go, cats. A simple child's toy, I hope, will be used as an illustration in our lives that we will not forget after today. So every time you see in the jack-in-the-box, you'll be reminded. Let's call it the church as we know it. It's a good question. Why? It's an illustration. It has... A foundation. It has four walls. It has a ceiling. It represents us in many ways. I've run into so many people over the years in doing ministry, being a senior pastor for 20 years, youth ministry for 10 years. I've been, yes, I'm old. We've been doing this for over 30 years. I spent the last two years at a mega church in East Tennessee as a campus pastor until COVID killed the campus. And then I was like, okay, God, what am I going to do? Next thing I know, here I am with you. Yes, excited about that. I've run into a lot of people who say, I like church just the way it is. I know my friends. I know my family, my church family. Oh, man, we celebrated last night. Thank you, Les. Thank you for the pig, dude. That was awesome. So my buddy Chuck and I walked up, and we ran in, and this little girl came by. I think it's Lisa's. And, and she said, can I see the dead pig? 
And then she said, why didn't you all kill the pig? And I said, because it's good. And it was good. I've seen too many people who talk about their church. In fact, even people have told me, I don't want it to grow. I'm uncomfortable with new people. I don't want to see anything else except what I want to see. I want to do what I want to do. We talk about Christianity. We sing God. We sing praises to the Lord. And then we act as if His Word doesn't matter. It's all about us. To pop out of the four walls is what God has called us to do. What on earth am I here for? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. We should always be about the kingdom of God. We need to make a kingdom impact, not just on Sundays, not just at special events like we had last night, but every single day of our lives, we are need to make a kingdom impact. So why are we here? Well, we're called to be loved, and we're called to trust, and to become, and to belong, and to be a blessing to others. Did you know that? It's not about what you get out of it. Church is about what you bring so that you can help others. And we're called to be sent. Like the jack in the box, we need to pop out of the church. You and I are called to be sent. God's plan from the beginning is about gathering together a family that will love and be with Him forever. We have totally messed up our priorities. We think that all we can attain here on earth is all we're going to be able to bring. Do you know this is just a temporary housing? For what we're going to be spending eternity, everything we do today is in preparation for eternity. Everything we have will be gone someday. In fact, doesn't 1 Corinthians 13 tell us there's only going to be three things that's going to last? Faith, hope, and, and love. When it's all said and done, that's the only three things that's going to matter. Ephesians 1.5 says his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. You know what pleases God? When we bring others into his family. When we grow together. So for this to happen, someone has to pass on the good news. And before you say, well, that's why we give so that our staff can do it. Wrong. Before you say, well, someone else will do it. No one can be a the greater minister here than you because only you have influence into your sphere of people and friends and family. I'll never know who they are. But you know what the best guide in the whole wide world is to tell us? is in His Word. I'm going to invite you to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Holy Word, so let's stand. I'm just going to read just a few verses, and then we'll pray together, and then I'll finish. But don't get too excited. I'm not going to be that quick. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent. That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Let's pray. God, that's what your word says. 
How Everyone's supposed to hear, but how will they hear if we don't tell them? How will we tell them if we're not sent? Of course we're sent. The Holy Spirit sends us. But Satan will put every block in our path. He will destroy families and marriages. He'll make the focus about money or politics or even, yes, the church. You see, anything we put above God is an idol. Anything. So God, we have to remove the idols in our lives so that we can hear the message, hear the orders, and then execute the plan. And you're relying on us. That's scary. And it's also exciting. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, I'm one of those preachers who does notes. You will see some lines and some stuff to fill in. If you've got a pen and paper, I love doing that. We will be doing that in the future, so get used to it, especially in small groups. I am a line kind of a person. Fill in the blanks. I think when it goes from our heart and our mind to our fingers to write it down, you remember a little bit better, at least. So, one of our life purposes, like, why are we here? What is my purpose? Is it to get to the next vacation? Sometimes people just live because they want to exist, right? They don't even know it. There's so many walking dead people in our world. Uh, I hate that show, The Walking Dead. I don't know, some of you might like it. It kind of scares me, right? But as I look around the world and I see people walking around, I see a lot of dead people. And I've seen, there's that, was that movie, The Sixth Sense? I see dead people. I see a lot of people. I've met a lot of dead people. Oh, they were alive. Their hearts were beating. They were walking and golfing and, and playing and bowling and whatever, planting gardens and killing pigs, whatever it is. But they weren't alive in Christ. They're just existing. So one of our purposes of why we're here is to understand that we are sent from God to bring others into His family. That's our purpose. It's not to live for self. It's not to see how much we can gain. It's not to see how many things we can collect and borrow and buy and credit and whatever. It's to see, it's to see how we can build His kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5.18, Through Christ, God made peace between us and Himself. Then God gave us the work of bringing others into peace with Him. That is God's eternal peace plan. And there is a difference between being joyful and having peace. You see, joy is temporary. I enjoyed pig. I was happy. I got up this morning. I was hungry again. It doesn't fulfill us. Drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. Pleasures. Excitement, vacations, they come and they go, right? I was just on vacation not too long ago. We made plans to go to Myrtle Beach with my sister, my brother, my mom. We had a big family reunion kind of there. We, we went and it was awesome, but now it's over. And all I have is a few pictures and a memory. But it's not fulfilling. What's fulfilling is helping God's kingdom to be impacted. It's about the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to talk about that. Christian author David Slagle wrote a book, and it is, he wrote about uh, reconciliation. Now, this was some years back, way back, in January 26, 2001, Psycho Sakamoto, a plasterer working in a Tokyo subway station, fell into the path of an oncoming train. 
Lee Suhan, a Korean student in Japan for language studies. He saw what was about to happen. He saw this Japanese fall under the tracks. He saw the train coming. And without thinking about anything, he leaped down, and you would think that it's a good story where he got him out of the way. No, they were both killed by the train. But the Japanese looking around were like, that's odd. A Korean saved a Japanese. You see, since World War II, the Japanese had, had been awful and terrible to the Koreans. There was a lot of distrust, and, and they were enemies at times. And yet one of their enemies saved one of their own. And it changed the Japanese mindset on Koreans. There was a guy, his name was Fujioka. He was a 62-year-old Japanese man, and he said in his own language, I felt a kind of shame. A young foreigner sacrificed his life for Japanese. This is not an easy thing to do. You see, reconciliation rarely occurs without sacrifice. If we're going to grow, if we're going to be sent, if we're going to do what God's called us to do, we have no choice but to sacrifice. It was easy in 1955. The statistics will tell you all the churches had to do was open the doors, open the doors wide, and the people will flock into the church to hear the, the wonderful words of the preacher. I know that's not what we did today. But why, why are we here? Why did you come? And why didn't you bring people with you? Because it's hard. See, we have to go beyond the doors of the church now. We have to pop out of our ceilings and our comfort zones. We have to reach beyond our areas of influence. And we have to keep reaching other people for Christ. But we're so locked in to just the four walls and who we are. It's about sacrifice. You know, God gave us the ultimate sacrifice, right? God gave his what? Only son, that whoever believes in him shall not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. If God, who is the one who took the initiative in healing our broken relationship with him, he made the supreme sacrifice for us that we might be reconciled to him. God will never ask you to do something that he has not already done. And by giving you his son, he's already set the pace for sacrifice. I hope you caught that. Reconciliation rarely occurs without sacrifice. God's whole plan of peace depends on you and I accepting this challenge and this calling of being sent to make the first move, to go beyond our walls of comfort and the status quo. I can't believe this is happening, but in my life in ministry, I've had more than one person, I mean probably hundreds, who said, well, you know, Jimmy John's not going to serve, but if you call him, he'll, he'll, he'll jump in. I'm not going to sign up for a small group, but if you call me and invite me, I might consider it. We've got to get beyond that as a church. We've got to take the initiative. Pastor, where can I serve? What can I do? I have a desire and a hunger. Even if I just wake up an hour early and I pray for this church and everyone in it, oh my goodness, what an incredible ministry that would be. Are you praying for your pastor? Are you praying for your ministry team? Are you praying for your elders? Are you praying for the leaders? Are we praying to sit idly by and depend on others to share what we ought to be doing? The gospel is called Christianity. You know, we practice a lot of religion in church. 
We do a lot of God-type things. But there's no one better equipped to share Jesus with your friends and your family than you are. And the best way to usher God's peace to others is to present a gospel conversation, not a gospel presentation. I am not huge on uh, programs. Right now, the Kentucky Baptist Convention, the Southern Baptist Convention, specifically the Kentucky Baptist Convention, they've got a program going on right now. And it's pretty popular, and it's pretty exciting, and a lot of churches are into it, and I think it's... And yeah, that's on video. They're going door to door, and they're hanging hangers on the church. They're going by every door in Kentucky and putting hangers on it. I went one time into a restroom and was using the bathroom, and there was a track right above the urinal about how to accept Christ. Did I just say that in church? I was one time uh, in, in, a, in a singing group way back in college days, and, you know, churches would have this pews in honor of somebody or this, I know some of the windows do. There, I kid you not, I went in to flush the toilet, and there was a plaque. This toilet was given by Mrs. Francis. So every time you flush the toilet, it was in memory of Miss Francis. Programs are fine, but in, a, in my 30 years of ministry, I'm going to tell you who reaches people. When students reach students. When you and I reach our family and friends and they get excited, when we get excited about what's going on in Nicholasville Baptist and we share that with our friends and our family, it's, it's shocking. They want to come and see what you've got. They, they want to feel the excitement. They want, to, they want to know what you know. They want to see what you see. But I'm going to tell you, if we walk around and we're on social media and we're just as negative as anyone else and we're a part of the lost culture, even though we're saved, we're saved, no one wants to come into a gloom and doom place. No one wants to come into a place that's, that's, that's we're ugly on the inside, that, that we're uh, opinionated or that we don't care or that, you know, we're, we're, we're just, we're rumors and gossip and innuendos and church fights. That, that's why the church is dying today. We're losing the battle because no one wants to come into that, that environment. But if you and I are called, I'm not saying it'll ever be perfect. We're going to have our, our disagreements, our struggles. We're going to agree to disagree. But at the end of the day, God's called leadership here to set the pace. And I'm like, get on board or get out. Get on board or get out. We're so excited about what God's doing. The potential is unbelievable. The potential is why I'm here. Without the potential, I'm not going to be here to see beyond what we already have, that there'll be people here next this time next year that we didn't know were here. If I could take a snapshot of what's going on today and speak one year from now, it ought to be double the size. Maybe even bigger than that. Start a conversation with someone. Build a relationship. Invest in their lives. That's what Craig meant. Don't go throw a track at someone. The guy that's at the Cincinnati Reds ball game, screaming John 3.16 at the, at the stadium. I mean, in 1965, John 3.16, we all knew that. Guess what? In our culture, someone else, John 3.16, they're thinking, am I supposed to meet John in section 3, seat 16? They don't know that it's Scripture. They have no idea what you're talking about. We use church language and church words, so don't, don't be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. Just use everyday real things. Be transparent. But tell people about your church. Tell them about your God. Tell them about what's going on here, and let it get exciting from there. But don't be gloom and doom and go to work and around the water cooler and 
cuss like the next person over and act like the next people next to you and there's no difference. You know, we should be different. We are called to be set apart, not to be better, not to be good, not to be good at two shoes. We're called to be a touch better because we know a better way. This world is not going to give us anything. What matters is in heaven. One mission statement of a growing church. I really like this. I wrote this down. It says this, ordinary people. We are just ordinary people. Empowered by God, making a difference together wherever we are. I love that. We're just ordinary people, empowered by God, making a difference together wherever we are. At the Starbucks line. We're at, 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 at Walmart. At, at wherever we go. To the gas station. Whatever, wherever we go, whoever we come in contact with, make a difference. John 15, 16. God said this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go. And what's Craig been teaching us lately? To bear fruit. Not just temporary fruit. Not just a little bit of a swell of excitement, but fruit that will last. Well, we need a reality check sometimes. Most of what we do in life will be quickly forgotten. It'll never last. I shared that earlier. Most of the things we purchase on credit are worn out by the time we get it paid for. For all of our achievements and possessions and abilities, the only thing that will last for eternity is did we trust Christ with our lives and did what did we do with that information? You see, I believe in my heart that when we stand before God in the judgment day, there's going to be two questions asked by God. Did you know my son? And what did you do with that information? And I believe that both are equally as important. Sometimes we just like to get through the first one. If we say that we love God and we get baptized, then most people feel like we are good to go. It's our ticket into eternity. But the Bible says your salvation is being worked out. Meaning we are to become disciples. That there's a discipline. You and I are supposed to recreate ourselves and other people. As scary as that is. We're supposed to meet other people, and then those people meet other people, and those other people meet other people, and that's how the kingdom changes. That's how churches grow. By the way, it doesn't happen just because we pray for it to happen. It doesn't happen just because we want it to. It's sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying prayer isn't important. What I'm saying is if all you do is pray and it ends there, that's a problem. You see, we pray God for instruction, and God gives you the instruction, and then we often fail God, and that's where there's a missing communication. So you pray and ask God to send someone to you, God sends someone to you, and then you go, uh, I didn't quite catch that. Did you know Jesus? And what did you do with that information? What did you do with it? You see, if ushering in God's peace is our mission, which it is as Christians, we have to have a plan. So I'm glad you asked, do we have a plan? That's good, but what can I do? All right, personally, we need to create a plan, a personal plan. This week, you need to write out your goals. What is your plan? Do I have a personal mission to impact the people in my life, or do I just rely on the church, the pastor, the staff, someone else, or somebody to do what I should be doing? Do you have a plan? Second, locally. Is our church's small groups mission to reach others in the community? Absolutely. 
Small groups should be growing and dividing, growing and dividing, growing and dividing. Oh, yeah, but I like this group so-and-so. I want to be with them. Really? Maybe God wants to put you in a challenging group. Maybe you need to grow beyond your comfort zone. Maybe you need to get out of the Christian clique that we're always in. Maybe we need to go where God's calling us to go because it's good for our souls. It's a challenge. We all kind of huddle at our own groups. You ever notice? I mean, even I was walking around last night, uh, the little tables. The same people that I see huddling together all the time are the same people huddling all the time. Stretch out. Meet someone new. Introduce yourself. It's cool for me because I don't know anybody. Hey, I'm Tim. Who are you? I don't know if you've been here 100 years or if this is your first day. I'm just like a new person. It's like uh, Frosty the Snowman. Happy birthday. <laughs> it's my first day, right? Every time he gets built, it's his birthday. Globally, third, our church's mission is our mission to reach the world. Or are we just focused on numbers, budgets, and programs? If we're only focused on how many people are in the pews and what is the budget every week and our programs are involved, that's a church going nowhere. That's called a museum filled of good people. And I no, want, no longer after 30 years have the time or the inclination to be the curator of a museum. I'm not the senior pastor here and I'm glad and I will never be. We have the best senior pastor in the whole wide world. He's a good dude, man. He's a youth evangelist at heart. I love that guy. He used to be a kid to me. Now he's still kind of a kid. We've been working together for a long time. It's been 20 years since we reconnected, but I'm so glad God put him in my life. That guy's got more energy than my five-year-old grandson. Huh? I told him last night, try the decaf, dude. <laughs> the point on earth of why are we here? is to make sure that we're looking into the mirror like the uh, psalmist David when he looked at a God and he said, God, examine my heart. Make sure that I'm pure. Do you even ask the question, God, are we okay? So you get mad at someone and after a while you go, hey, hey, dude, hey, 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 Johnny Ray, you, you and I, we okay? Do we do that with God? See, if we don't get that right, the vertical right, the horizontal stuff doesn't matter. The horizontal stuff is our life. Let's get the vertical right with God and then let's be what God wants us to be. There's a, an old question that's been around for years. It simply says this, if our church was gone tomorrow, would anyone in our community miss it? If Nicholasville Baptist Church decided that we've just reached out all of our angles, we've done all that we can do, we, there's no more money coming in, the church is dead, and which, by the way, it almost was. It was dead. God resurrected it. Why? For a reason, for a purpose. But if it was gone tomorrow, would anyone miss it? Would these people around here even realize? Would the city even know? We need a sense of clarity to understand our purpose. And one of our major callings is to be sent. If we're more concerned about methodology, our programs, our history, our way of doing church, it's called traditions. Sometimes our traditions are more important than our spiritual walk. We don't need a different methodology or plan. What we need from God is a new mindset, a new ideal, a new identity, a new and fresh purpose. If our purpose is to keep doing what we've always done 
and expecting different results, that's called insanity. I'll rephrase that. If we keep doing the same things over and over and over, but we're expecting different results, that's called insanity. But if we decide that we're going to follow Jesus and be careful about saying yes to that, because God will put you in places you never dreamed of before, and this place will explode because of the sacrifice, or we simply just call in the, the church a country club, it's a place where we can gather inside our four walls and be happy. What is God's mission for you? You see, when fear becomes greater than change, then you will change. I, I fear that my pants will, will not going to fit me much longer. I keep eating a lot of pig and other goodies. By the way, best strawberry pie I have ever had in my life last night was unbelievable. I asked Tracy, uh, the one who made that, and I said, my birthday is coming up in just a few weeks. That's all I want for my birthday. I asked for so little, right, Chuck? So little. I just want a strawberry pie. How desperate do you have to be? At some point, I got to go, wait a minute, I, I need to change. Tim Keller, he's another spiritual author I love to read, so I, I get all these quotes. And he said, we have to make Christ a priority. He calls it a life quake. When a great big truck goes over a tiny bridge, sometimes the bridge will shake. I don't know if you've ever been on a bridge like that, but sometimes it'll, it'll quake a little bit. If you've ever been in a really tall building and you feel it going, ooh, ooh. I've been up in the Alpha Tower at Kings Island, which we're going to be in a, in a few weeks, and sometimes on a good day you can feel a little sway. I'm like, this is a little creepy. But whenever Christ comes into a person's life, Tim Keller says, there's a life quake. Your life gets rocked. It gets changed and challenged. If he is God, then you cannot relate to him because he is God. But he sends the Holy Spirit, the advocate, right? The parakletus, that is the Greek for, uh, for the Holy Spirit. I always looked at it as a parakeet, but it's not a parakeet. It's paraclete, paraclete. And it means the advisor, the one who gives us our connection with God, the one that Jesus said, one is coming even greater, that you'll be able to do even greater things. I'm like, are you sure you're saying that, Jesus? Sometimes we're uncomfortable with what Jesus says. He actually said that you might become and do greater things than I've ever done. Really? How can we be greater than Jesus? Is that heresy to say? No, not when he said it. Go be something great. Any view, any conviction, any idea, any behavior, any relationship, God can change it. And he may not change it. But at the beginning of the relationship, you have to say, in everything he must rule in my life, he must become greater and I must become what? I must become less. So Tim Keller adds, adds on to the story. He said, imagine you have a dear friend who is dying of a very rare disease, and you bring the, your friend to the doctor. And um, the doctor says, I've got some bad news. You're going to be dead in about, in about a week. I can cure you, though. I want, to, I want you to know if I give you this remedy, th there's just one thing you'll have to do, but you'll have to keep doing this for the rest of your life in order to stay alive. You'll never be able to eat chocolate again. Exactly. And you're so excited and you turn to your friend and you say, isn't that great? All you got to do is not eat chocolate. And the guy goes, 
No chocolate, forget it. I'd rather die. And the friend says, are you nuts? Are you crazy? We know we need to change. We have to change. But are we willing to do whatever it takes to change? His friend wouldn't even switch not eating chocolate. You think that's kind of funny, but then you and I don't want to be changed either. We don't want to reach our neighbors. You want me to do what? You want me to sign up to do this? What? What? I don't want to do that. I want to stay in my comfort zone. I want to be entertained. I'm going to miss my favorite show if I go to a small group on Wednesday night or Thursday night or whatever it is. Jesus gave us a model to follow real quickly. He called it the peace plan. P is plant. Plant seeds of reconciliation, re reconciliation to combat spiritual emptiness in our world. E, equip servant leaders. We have to always battle the idea of serving self. You and I live in this egocentric world. We should be living God-centric. A, we are called to assist the poor in extreme poverty. Extreme poverty. I went up to a guy in my church in, in, in Morganfield where I was a pastor for 10 years, and he's a great dude. He'd give the shirt off his back. He gave, I can't tell you how many refrigerators and stoves. He had a whole warehouse of stuff he would collect and give to those who were needy. And so I went to him, and he finally ended up going to the nursing home, and he played bingo on Friday afternoons, and I sometimes would go and play bingo with Eddie, and I'd say, hey, Eddie, I need some money for lunch. Because the guy's loaded, right? He, he would give his shirt off his back. He'd do anything. And he looked at me, and he's, I mean, every time he'd say, Tim, God helps the needy, not the greedy. There are people around us who are greedy and needy. What do you do with the guy on the sign, I, I need money, I will help? What do, what do we do with the person in the corner that says, I just need a few bucks? What do you do with the guy that's at the, at the, at the light, right, and he's got the sign, and God bless you, and, and I'm just looking for a handout, and, and I've met too many Christians who go, I ain't giving to them. It's their drug habit, or they'll just go buy booze or do something else. How do you know? I don't always give. I don't always have it. But when I do, I give. And guess what? I let God have the results. It's not my job to figure out if I'm adding to his deal. Maybe I am. But you know what? I trust God in that. We can never outgive God. C is care for the sick. We have responsibility to do that. E is educate. Educate the next generation by instructing and, and modeling servanthood. It's not enough that we give them a cognitive dump down. We need to teach our students about serving, and we model that while our lives. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what does God want us to do? Acts 20.24 20, says, the most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell the people the good news about God's grace. Let's pray that people will say yes to God. Jesus said there are so many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them. Pray to the Lord who owns the harvest that he will send out more workers to gather his harvest. And we can give to help others go. God uses our giving as a test of our faith. Be generous. Step out in faith. Volunteer to be sent. Isaiah 6, 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Go where you can now. 
You don't have to go to the other ends of the world. Guess what? There's mission opportunities right here, right in your back door and around the country and around the world. Jesus said, go back home and tell people how much God has done for you, Luke 8, 39. So the man went all over town telling how much Jesus had done for him. Ask God, what role do you have for me? What role do you have for me? I was going to share a story about a guy who simply took time and, and, he, and he met people. Uh, this one lady who, who was a great seeker, and she was at a coffee house like the one you're seeing. And they would sit there and gather every week and pray together. And she would uh, learn about the Bible, and he would t- tell stories about Jesus. And then one day he said, you know, at some point you're going to have to make a choice to accept Jesus or not. And then she got up and she was upset and she stormed out and they never spoke again. But he planted a seed. Now it's up to God to water the seed and someday harvest that seed. And how do we know that it didn't happen later? Sometimes we get frustrated. We invite, we invite, we invite, but our friends don't accept it. Guess what? Keep inviting. Don't stop. Don't surrender. Love them beyond your comfort zone. We are called to be sent. There are people waiting for you to tell them about the good news of Christ. There are people everywhere. Everywhere you go, there are people who are waiting for you to tell them. What kind of church are we going to be? Or... pray. God, teach us to pop out of our comfort zone, to go and be what we're called to be, why why we're here. It's not to exist. It's not to trivial stuff every day, but to really make a kingdom impact. I pray, God, that you would use us, your church, every person, every child, every student, every person Help us to break free. Not because we pat ourselves on the back or to count the ballots and the numbers and the budgets so that the kingdom will explode. God, we give you the glory. We will do the work. You receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.